Welcome to Beneath the Surface, B-Sides, where we bring you full interviews with infrastructure experts. If you listened to the second episode of this podcast, you heard excerpts from my interview with Audrey Carlton. She is an environmental journalist and multimedia producer who writes for Motherboard, the science and technology arm of Vice. She covers all aspects of the global transition to green energy. In our conversation, she discusses the potential for lithium extraction at the Salton Sea. She also draws on her experience covering the oil and natural gas industries to help explain why local environmental and social justice groups have reservations about the lithium operations. So, without further ado, here is a lightly edited version of my conversation with Audrey Carlton. So, Audrey, uh, you know, why are we talking today? So we're talking today because a couple of months ago, General Motors, which is, you know, America's car maker, basically, struck up a deal with a company called Controlled Thermal Resources to mine for lithium for lithium ion batteries to go in electric vehicles. For context, GM made this first in the nation commitment to phase out all of their gas powered cars by 2035. And, you know, they're really sort of trying to carve themselves out as a leader in the in the EV space um, in doing so. And in order to make that happen, they're going to need a lot of lithium. So they have staked out this area with controlled thermal resources in Southern California called the Salton Sea, um, which is a really interesting place because it's this very toxic, um, very salty lake. And there's a lot of kind of socio-political dynamics going on here, but Essentially, the goal is to mine for lithium using um, existing sort of geothermal power plants and use that lithium to create EV batteries and achieve this goal of, you know, being all electric by 2035. So you recently wrote about Salton Sea. Tell me a little bit about that. So back in July, I wrote this story for Motherboard um, on the Salton Sea becoming sort of this new quote-unquote lithium valley through this deal that General Motors has with controlled thermal resources. So Audrey, what is the Salton Sea? So the Salton Sea is not actually a sea. It is sort of a lake. Um, It was created in 1905 as kind of like an offshoot of the Colorado River. Essentially, the Colorado River spilled out of its irrigation system and into this one kind of reservoir in the very southern tip of California um, near Baja. Um, It's also kind of near Joshua Tree. Um, if if you're familiar with that area. It sits around 200 feet below sea level and it doesn't have an outlet. So there's, you know, water kind of flows into it from the Colorado River, but it doesn't flow out of it. So it just kind of sits there and the way that the water level is managed is water kind of evaporates off of it. And that process leaves behind a lot of salt and a lot of minerals. So it's become over the years incredibly salty. I think somewhere around 50% saltier than the Pacific Ocean. So it's not the most habitable place for animals or people. Um, it's in the middle of the desert. But, um, you know, it's it's a really kind of interesting, interesting area. From a social kind of demographic standpoint, I believe the last numbers I saw on unemployment in the region were around 20%, um, so pretty high. So, you know, I think we could call this in in one future day if if this does become a real lithium hub, I think it will be kind of a a place where environmental justice questions are like really at the forefront. 
um, of who's involved in, in kind of the, you know, economic boom that this creates, who kind of benefits from it and who is potentially harmed. Um, I think there are a ton, a ton of interesting questions all kind of hovering around this area. And after I publish this story for Vice, I will admit this is probably the one story that has gotten me the most, the most response because this is like an extremely hot button, uh, controversial issue. Um, yeah. I want to get back to some of that after we set some context for folks um, who may not be familiar with things like what lithium even is uh, and why salt and sea is, is so toxic. So Audrey, what is lithium? Mm-hmm. Sure. Great question. Um, it is an element. Um, you might remember it from the periodic table <laughs> and it is a key ingredient in lithium ion batteries. So um, specifically, it's extremely conductive. What that means is it has an extra electron on its outer shell, and that electron, um, because it just has the one, it wants to be moving around and glomming onto other elements and creating bonds, and in bouncing around so much, it creates an electrical current. Um, So it's highly conductive, and when it's shoved into batteries, it makes, you know, a really strong electrical current. It's also unbelievably flammable. Um, So these lithium battery fires are kind of a growing issue that we've also been working on at Vice. It's, It's because it's so conductive, it's really hard to put out and fires kind of spread in this crazy way because this one electron just wants to glom onto other things and they can be really hard to control. That's a little bit tangential, but, you know, lithium is it's been called white gold. It's kind of this like crucial element in the move towards electric vehicles and the move away from oil and gas because we need batteries in order to create electric vehicles and to create battery storage. Batteries will be the key to holding on to the energy that's generated from wind and solar in building up that infrastructure. It's super important. I mean, one of the main kind of counterpoints that people always say about wind and solar is, well, not everywhere is windy and the sun is only out for half the day, less than that during wintertime. So how are we going to, you know, generate constant energy storage or, you know, have sort of a constant reliable energy source if these things are not around for, they're only around for a short amount of time. And the answer is, is batteries. You generate electrical current and you store it into a battery and then that's, you know, used for later. But we need to be creating batteries and mining for minerals or elements like lithium in order to do that. And, you know, lithium's a crucial one and it's gotten a lot of attention, but there are other elements that are like essential to battery creation too, um, like cobalt, but it's sort of the big one. Yeah. How is lithium mined typically? Sure. Yeah. So lithium's kind of an interesting element. It doesn't exist in a pure state in the earth. It's usually glommed on with, you know, another element. So it's often mined in this, in this process called open pit mining. And this is open pit mining refers to the kind of technique for mining. um, And that's used also in like coal mining and mining for lots of other things. But specifically with lithium, essentially what happens is a few feet of earth is, is dredged up. Usually open pit is used. And with open pit mining, this is usually done when whatever the mineral or the element that is being mined pretty close to the surface of the earth. So you can kind of just dig up some earth a few feet, few hundred feet and create, you know, sort of an open space and that will make way to the minerals that you're looking for. This process is done with coal mining, for example. So it's, um, you know, the this is kind of the same process that leads to mountaintop removal, um, which is extremely controversial and really environmentally destructive. But with lithium mining, it's you don't quite have to go that deep. It often creates these sort of flats. They kind of look like salt flats 
you may have seen, you know, like these aerial images of lithium mines. They're, they're these kind of vast greenish, whitish kind of honestly like really beautiful looking mines. And what happens is when, when that earth is dredged up, it gives way for this sort of salty, muddy, briny stuff that then the water is evaporated off of it and that leaves just the minerals behind and then those are distilled and lithium is taken from it. And this is done typically, I mean, there's this is sort of a new thing for the U.S., but there's this one region in South America called the Lithium Triangle in Chile, Argentina, and Bolivia, and there's these massive lithium mines there, and that's sort of the process there is open pit mining. The one consequence to this, well, the, the few consequences to this is that, um, you know, it's very water intensive. It creates um, a fair amount of mineral waste and you know, the health consequences of being around open pit mines are sort of unknown. Um, this one lithium mine in, in Nevada in this region called Thacker Pass that's gotten a lot of attention um, and been very, very controversial because it would sort of require doing the same process and dredging into this into this one mountain. And, um, you know, I think a lot of concern around this process is, is valid because we just, you know, it's relatively new. We just don't know a ton about it. Um, so it's sort of, it's sort of like a new frontier, like a new unknown, what, what it's gonna, you know, what kind of consequences it's going to hold for the people who work in this industry and the people who live nearby it. And I am going to jump out of order here, but I'm curious how, um, CTR's process differs from open pit mining. So controlled thermal resources has proposed a slightly different process from uh, the typical sort of open pit mining process. The Salton Sea is already home to a number of geothermal plants. So that those are power plants that take heat and steam from deep beneath the earth. It's kind of the same heat and steam that you might see um, in a geyser. And it's a renewable resource. I mean, we will always have these stores of heat underneath the earth. And you know, these geothermal mines take take this up and generate en- energy from it and then pump that back into the earth. So it's renewable. What CTR has proposed is taking brine as a byproduct of these power plants and extracting lithium from it and then sending that same water back into the earth. So it's essentially taking a byproduct of an existing energy generation process and uh, taking a mineral out of it and then returning what was already going to be going back underground into the earth. The company has been firm um, that this process is less water intensive and less wasteful and generally just kind of better for the environment than open pit mining and requires a lot less in terms of land use because that's another thing with mining is that it uses a ton of land and maybe years down the line, we're seeing this with coal mines, um, at least in the infrastructure package, there's sort of a push to reforest old coal mines and that's possible but it takes a lot of work and so that's one one other consequence of traditional mining is just how much it takes in terms of land and you know that is land that it takes a lot of work to get it back to the way that it was or if you even can get it back to the way that it was so you know this process kind of takes advantage of existing infrastructure but that said I mean they're still working out the kinks of what exactly this is going to look like and and what they need to build and what they need to create in order for, you know, this, this lithium Valley or this, they, they're calling it hell's kitchen, this region of California to become a real lithium uh, mining area. They're still kind of working out what that's going to look like in terms of infrastructure. So the land use question is kind of still, it's still there. 
And I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to ask it again. Um, what companies right now are really interested in mining lithium in Salton Sea? So General Motors um, is kind of the big one that's that's staking its claim in this region. But California has created a commission, uh, the Lithium Valley Commission, to kind of oversee the process and turn this area into the home of an industry. I think of it as like a second Silicon Valley because the names are so similar, but General Motors is kind of paving the way. So they made a first-in-the-nation commitment to phase out all of their gas-powered cars by 2035. And, you know, because they are like the American automaker and, you know, they've made this this kind of first commitment to be all EV by by that period of time, they are really kind of setting a standard for other automakers. It's going to say, if this works, it's going to say to other automakers, look, we can do this. Here's how you can do it as well. We can live in an electric vehicle country, you know, within within a reasonable amount of time. And it could turn this area into a real uh, hotbed. It could really make this part of California like an actual lithium valley, you know? Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see um, what happens, but we're still a couple years away from that because the deal, you know, with this one mine is still kind of being figured out. Why is it so important to mine more and more lithium? Why is there particularly such interest right now? Yeah, that's a great question. So lithium is um, a crucial element in the creation of batteries, um, and batteries are going to be essential in the transition away from fossil fuels because they hold on to energy that can be, you know, kind of created at any time, and they make Broadly speaking, they make renewable resources more reliable and more sustainable. Wind and solar are often kind of critiqued as being unreliable resources because the sun only shines for a certain amount of time, um, you know, every day. And the wind is not everywhere. Not all parts of the world are windy. And And the wind doesn't blow all the time. It doesn't blow at the same speed. So how can we rely on these resources? Well, the answer is with batteries. By taking that energy and storing it somewhere, we have it to use for later during periods when, you know, it's nighttime or periods when it's there's not as much of wind as a resource. We have that energy that we can rely on. Um, with electric vehicles specifically, what that means is that each car has a battery and that gets plugged into a charger. But the energy that that charger pulls from the grid can come from any number of resources. So it's kind of a mix right now. Um, It could come from oil and gas. It could come from renewables. But the goal is to transition the entire energy grid to renewables and be able to pull energy from that and store it in cars with batteries. Batteries are essential for everything, for for the broader kind of transition to renewables. They're essential for cars because they eliminate the likelihood that you're using using fossil fuels to power your car because the energy that you're pulling and storing in that battery could come from any number of things as long as it's energy it can be stored in a battery essentially it's just electrical current are there environmental risks to lithium mining i mean the main things are the land questions the land use questions and also the water that's required and the waste. So those are the three big ones is that it's this process that just requires a lot of water to generate, you know, to pull pull minerals out of these briny kind of flats 
And it, you know, requires a ton of land. A lot of land has to be staked out to create these mines. And in, you know, like Thacker Pass, that's land that's on the top of a mountain. It's also land that is on and near indigenous communities. So that's very, you know, valuable and valuable in this like culturally valuable and really, really important land. It's the water, it's the land, and it's the waste. There's a lot of mineral waste that's generated in this process as well. So, you know, CTR, uh, Controlled Thermal Resources, aims to kind of cut those out of the process by just using a byproduct of existing infrastructure. But it's also kind of a new technology that they have created. Who lives in and around Salton Sea? The community around the Salton Sea is fairly low income. There are are a lot of Latino communities in that region. And if this goes well and the jobs were given to people in this community, it would be a real boon. Um, I think from what I gauged when I was reporting on this story, there is a fair amount of distrust because there were some solar projects that went up in the region a few years ago that did not end up having the jobs go to the community. That's sort of historically how these things go. I mean, Solar is a little bit different and renewables we're still kind of learning, but with oil and gas projects, often what happens is, you know, a pipeline will go up or oil wells will go up or drill rigs. And the people who work on those rigs are often not people from the community. They're people who work for the company and travel around and go from region to region. And so that's how, how you sort of hear about these like abandoned or these sort of ghost oil towns in, you know, in the Permian Basin in Texas is the industry will kind of move into a region. It will be a huge boon that helps all sectors of life. I mean, the value of everything goes up when there's a, a resource like this that's so valuable and, and becomes such a part of the economy. Um, everything from like haircuts to like how much your coffee costs. Everybody's just making more money for that short amount of time. But then once that resource dries up, those workers move away. They go on to a new place. That's also how you hear about these these sort of man camps um, of um, workers who kind of move into this region and and work for a period of time and then move to the next one with their company. That's sort of the trajectory that we've seen with fossil fuels. I think there's still a lot that we're seeing around the construction of all renewable infrastructure, including mines for elements like lithium. But I think the number one concern that anybody has when something like this pops up in their region is who's going to be benefiting from it. And if this doesn't become something that could lift up the community around the Salton Sea and flow cash into it and and really be, kind of become an economic boon for that region and the people that have lived there for decades, then it's kind of like, who's it for? What are the consequences? What are the trade-offs? What's being sacrificed in order to make this happen? And, you know, if this mining typically is not great. I mean, mining is like kind of a dangerous, dangerous process. Coal mining we have seen comes with like countless health consequences and lithium mining is still kind of being studied. But, you know, if there are harms and those harms are kind of inflicted on the people who live in that region, but at the same time, they're not really given, you know, the the local jobs, then that's like a really unfortunate trade-off. That's a really, really unfortunate situation. Um, and it would be kind of an injustice for that to happen. Fortunately, it, it's looking like that's not going to be the process, but I think that is 
the fear. And so, you know, the folks that I talked to when I was reporting this story out said that people in the community hadn't really been informed of um, the mines going up, but were open to being part of that if it was something that was that proved to be kind of a financial boon for the region. But, you know, they just kind of want to want to have a stake in the process. And that's why this Lithium Valley Commission is so um, important. It's kind of a multi-stakeholder body. It's got, um, you know, folks from the company. It's got folks from the local government in Imperial County in California. Um, it's got a couple of um, members from like local community uh, development organizations and nonprofits on it. So it really does have a lot of different voices at the table. And, you know, I think if this mine comes also with something like training programs for folks who live in the region and, you know, kind of job development programs, then we could see this be something that really does benefit the whole community. But, you know, that's, I think the, the nuances of that are still, are still being worked out. And the, the one government official who I spoke to in Imperial County when I was reporting this story out said that so far, you know, I asked him, like, does it seem like, you know, the, the voices of people who live in this region are really going to be heard? Um, like, who has more say, you know, on this on this panel? Um, and he was like, well, everybody's getting along for now. So <laughs> which is good looking out in the future. But we'll see. I mean, there's just any number of directions this could go. Wow. I mean, I think a lot about the term like sacrifice zone, um, which is one that's commonly used to talk about oil and gas projects. And even in Brooklyn, there was this pipeline that went up, has gone up over the last couple of years. And that that term was kind of used a lot, was like, you know, this region is a sacrifice zone for this infrastructure. Um, with pipelines, it's a, a little bit different because it's kind of like, you know, this infrastructure just runs through your area, but it doesn't really create any jobs other than the jobs that are required to build it in the first place. But then once it's built, it's kind of built. With a mine, it's a little different because I think there's a more steady flow of work involved in that process. But yeah, I mean, nothing is really guaranteed. And we see this all the time um, with fossil fuel projects where, you know, there's been some semblance of input from a local community that, for example, like really needs funding for education or really needs funding for a certain, you know, social good. And so when they get the chance to... Um, kind of tap into something like, you know, some sort of resource that's really, really lucrative, then they'll often, you know, leaders in it will, will ultimately decide to say yes to it, but it's a trade-off um, because it does come with kind of health consequences. And, and then often that, that doesn't end up panning out the, the jobs. There's no commitments or no contracts that say the jobs have to go to people who live in that region um, so these are kind of promises that are often made in the first kind of planning stages of a project, but aren't ever really kept. That's not to say that's always what happens, but it is a very distinct possibility with any project that this trade-off ends up being like the people who live here and have lived here forever and for whom this is really their home and their community, they don't get any of the benefits of this. In fact, they just get an influx of people from outside who come and that can lead to all kinds of things. It can lead to displacement. Like it can lead to, uh, I mean, if we compare this to the Silicon Valley and look at the like displacement that happened in Northern California as a result of that, you know, that's a, that's a distinct possibility here. But mostly, I mean, when I think about these things, I think about the health impacts because um, there's pretty much no form of resource extraction that comes without any kind of 
health consequence for the people who live near it, whether that's like air pollution and particulate matter and asthma or, um, you know, ingesting like runoff and, and toxins that have leached into your waterways. Like all of these things come with consequences. And so if it were to be that the community in the Salton Sea only kind of gets those negative consequences and none of the none of the benefits, none of the economic benefits that they're saying, you know, they're expressing interest in, that they're saying that they want, then that would be like a huge, a huge injustice. But I mean, if I'm being frank, I think it's one that like a company like General Motors would be able to get away with because oil and gas companies have been doing this kind of thing for years and there's only recent attention to environmental justice as a concept. But, um, you know, I, there's nothing, there's nothing that would, I don't know. I guess I'm just cynical. I think that the company would probably be able to, would be able to get away with it. I don't know if I totally disagree. You know, I hope that people will keep writing about it, um, and talking about it. And I do wonder if the tide is, is turning a little bit, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if we have like full, like a hundred percent reason to be optimistic, I know um, I'm going to wind this down and basically just ask you, is there anything that you think is really important that I or listeners of the podcast should know that we haven't talked about? I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. We've covered a fair amount of ground. I would say I just think this is going to be a new massive frontier in the energy transition there are probably going to be mines popping up all over the place and other mines. I mean, this one is not as controversial, but the Thacker Pass mine in Nevada has become like wildly controversial and sort of represents this new, really like intense kind of question of like, what are we willing to sacrifice in order to, in order to get to a renewable economy and whether we can kind of maintain the scale of consumption that we're at and still, you know, avert the climate crisis. Like, I think that this question around lithium is so interesting from an environmental perspective, but also weirdly like a philosophical one, because, you know, we have a, you know, we have certain needs that we as a, as a species have gotten used to having like heat and electricity and cars and the ability to travel and the ability to shop and go places and mail people things. And if we want to maintain that, we're going to need an energy source, but no energy source comes without consequences. So it's, it's kind of just about minimizing those things. And I think this is a really interesting time to be looking at this right now because it's so new, but I think that we are only going to continue to see more minds and more protests and more lawsuits um, against companies that are aiming to mine. And I also really staunchly believe that if we want to see a just transition, that means that we cannot treat people and the earth in the way that the fossil fuel and the coal industries treated people in the earth. And, you know, those processes of permitting plants and permitting drill rigs and stuff and oil wells historically have been rife with violations and like, you know, like bad things happen in oil fields every day. Um, There is illegal dumping all the time, you know, like this is a really, really difficult space to regulate. And I think if we want, you know, our new renewable economy to not 
come with some of those negative things, we need to hold these companies that are leading it to account. So I think this is going to be just like a really interesting sign of where we're at in terms of that, um, to see how the creation of these mines play plays out. I think this, you know, the Lithium Valley Commission and this one community and, you know, the kind of dynamics, the political dynamics at play here are really kind of interesting litmus test of that. Absolutely. Audrey, thank you so much for this. I learned a ton. I know I read your article, which is fantastic, but I learned a ton in just talking with you. So I'm so grateful that you took time um, to chat with me. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Beneath the Surface is a production of Stripe Press. The senior producers for the series are myself and Everett Katigback. This episode was produced by Jack Rossiter-Munley. Whitney Chen was our production manager. Our associate producer and editor was Astrid Landon. Our sound mixer and sound designer was Jim McKee. Original music for this episode was composed by Arbus. To learn more about Stripe Press, our books, our films, and a whole lot more, visit press.stripe.com. All right, that's it for this B-side. I've been your host, Tamara Winter. This is Beneath the Surface, B-Sides.